0: Welcome to Mysteries and Madness, episode 16. This is chapter six, the final chapter in the killer car. A content warning is definitely necessary for this one. It goes to new places by the end. It's definitely horror. It's definitely R-rated. You've been warned, and I'm excited for more stories. And without further ado, here we go, guys. Peace.
1: Right. Let's take some time to do that, then grab some steaks, and
0: uh, let's go for a drive. I'd say we tried to head in the northeast towards the foothills. But, I mean, he is a car. He can't hide that fellow. So you got uh, two steaks, butcher paper. They're frozen. They came out of the freezer. All right, well. So you pop your hood, and uh, he's got some tinfoil, and he wraps them in tinfoil and places them on the engine in a way that they're going to kind of get stuck under the hood when you put the hood down. Oh, but they'll begin to warm up and then, yeah, be
1: like, they'll thaw out out and get nice and smelly. Uh, And then we head to where he thought we should go, and I would like him to be calling out for his dog, Beast.
0: Okay. So what do you have for abilities that relate to... Finding stuff, seeing things in the distance, evidence collection.
1: Yeah, evidence collection. Um, you have evidence collection. You have evidence collection.
0: Having evidence collection uh, improves your chances of being able to do this. Uh, and we're going to use Sense Trouble, which you have two dice for. Yes, sir. I have a chart. With an advance of seven plus, you have a minus two to Sense Trouble for your horrible migraine. Thanks again, Marco Casco. Fuck Casco, you,
1: Marco, Marco I mean, Casco. I mean, thanks, Marco. No hard feelings. Fuck it. I'm doing all of these on my blood dice because I'm fucking hungover.
0: You have, it's a two die roll for
1: you? It's a two die roll, yeah. Of seven. Okay. First roll is a four. Okay. A seven is is with or without the... It's a seven before modifiers. four modifiers, and I have a minus two. Yes. Which means I technically need a nine to roll, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. But I still have a plus one over here. That's important to know. Three, which makes a seven. Seven
0: total. Minus two is five. Five. So you're sitting with a five with an advance of seven. I'm going to sit here and hope I get a pass. You have the plus one in front of you. And then due to the advance that you made on your earlier challenge, for the rest of the day, you can add up to plus three to the result of for any challenge and gain a whiskey token for each plus one that you add. Okay, and you're sitting with a five, and you need an advance of seven. Fuck it. Give
1: me two whiskey tokens,
0: then. Okay, so we're going to give it a plus two. Let's go all in here. Let's, like, do all of the mechanics. Yeah, let's use all the mechanics of the game. Why not? Okay, I got to figure out what they look like. I got to find a token in my house. I'm pretty good at drinking. So you make the advance. And as you drive down a secondary road, looking at the tertiary roads going off to the sides, you notice fresh tracks that are the right width and distance and would make sense to be that Model T, and you turn off and start heading in that direction. And come over a bluff, and it's, it's all like sagebrush and short grass, this whole area. It's very open. Um, there are some ponderosa pines but lots of room in between them. The odd tree kind of sticking off of the hillside at a bit of an angle. Uh, it definitely is that look to it. And so you can see this car down below you. There aren't a lot of trees between you and it. And it, uh, it seemingly just parked in a field a little ways off from you. What do you do?
1: I want to approach very slowly with Victor calling Beast's name, but in a very calm, I want Victor to try to calm and soothe Beast with a, you know, a, you know, hello Beast, I know you're scared, it's okay. Are you approaching Beast on foot or
0: in your car? Let's
1: go on foot. I'll park at a distance, we'll pull the sticks off the engine.
0: The steaks are thawed. Yeah. They even have, are starting to gray on the outside. Okay. They're cooking
1: a little bit. And I'm going to be behind Victor. Victor is the one leading the approach with the steaks. Okay. And I want Victor saying, like, I've got a treat for you, beast. Um, I know you're scared. I'm going to help. Everything's going to be okay. All very calming, very soothing.
0: Before Victor's dog was stolen and, and turned to a life of dog fighting. Its name was Rex. It became known as Beast at the dog's fights. Oh. So as you hear the crunching of dry grass underfoot, as you approach this car, that's kind of sitting in the shade of one of the big ponderosa pines that's sitting by itself out in the middle of the space. Victor has a stake hanging from his right hand, and the two of you approach slowly. The car revs to life. And Victor goes, It's okay, my Rex. It's okay. We are not here to hurt you. It is all right. Well, oh, you've had some busy nights. You must be so hungry. Eh? Look at this juicy steak. Mmm. And you hear the radio click on and the tuner start moving around the frequency range. And all of a sudden it hits and the static lessons. And you hear out of the tinny speakers of this model Ford barks. Little That's <laughs> fucked up, dude. Yes, Mmm. we have steak for you. Yes, good boy. Good boy. And you two continue to approach. Alright. So what's your plan here, Jack Shepard?
1: I'm gonna quietly ask Victor if If I'm able, like, could you walk me through disconnecting him from the car? If I were the one to slip into the driver's seat, could he very easily explain to me how to do the disconnect, or does Victor have to do it?
0: Yes, the best bet is the wires under the dash. You would find that the ignition switch, a black wire, a yellow wire with a red line, and a thick red wire. It is the thick red wire that needs to be cut to kill the engine. Then I will
1: continue to let Victor lead the way, but I'm going to sort of, behind him, start to kind of pull off towards the, the driver's door.
0: As you approach the driver's door, you get your first glimpse of this rex, or beast, as he became known. You see this encasing and where the passenger seat would be. It's cylindrical and wider at the base than at the top with a rounded top, and the upper portion is all glass, like a helmet. And inside, you see a dog, or the head of a dog at least, where the neck would connect to the torso of the dog. It all disappears inside this metal casing almost like an oversized bullet. It kind of has that shape, except it tapers more between the top to the bottom. And you see the dog look towards you and Victor and bark at you, but you don't hear any noise. You just hear the tinny barks coming out of the speakers of the car. Okay. And you also hear the audible click of the transmission shifting from park into drive. And Victor pipes up at that moment. Okay. It's okay. It's okay, Rex. Mmm. Look at this steak, Rex. Look at the steak. And Victor puts one hand on the hood of the car and walks around to the passenger side with his hand on the car in case it starts moving towards him, keeping the stake in full view yeah, as he yeah, makes yeah, the yeah. move around the car. And you can tell he's holding Rex, a.k.a. Beast's attention, allowing you to get up to this door. Now I do believe a stealth roll is required. It's two dice. You have two dice for stealth with an advance of ten plus. Ah go off. really? You're gonna have to up to plus three from whiskey tokens, and a plus one in front of you gives you four plus. To the ten, meaning if you can get six on two and days. I, yeah,
1: I don't have a, I don't have a negative on stealth, stealth on anything. No so. negatives on okay.
0: stealth. Let's see what happens. You see what it says here is climactic or pivotal story event. Okay. With yep. An extra problem available. That's fair. With it's climactic. All right. So we're gonna go with that. Yeah, we could always add another problem. I'm hey. sure Marco has more plans.
2: On I'm how sure how to he does. Screw you over.
1: I'm very sure he does. Thanks, Marco. I appreciate it. Ah, first rolls of three. Okay. And I need a 10, right? And you need an advance of 10. Okay. Second roll
0: is two. That's five. Okay. So you're sitting at a five. You can add three through whiskey tokens and a one through that thing in front of you, getting you to nine. You need an advance of 10. So if you want to get the advance, you could take a problem to roll another die. Give me a problem, man. <laughs> This is going to be a problem for
1: future Jack (laughs) Shepard. I feel like it's better to have a problem early on in the investigation when the stakes are lower. So I feel okay with loading on problems on the last day that may not bother me until like a week from now.
0: In this moment, as you you sort of have this out-of-body experience and, and think about the scene that you're a part of right now, the idea of this Crazy killer car with a dog attached to it, and you're with some German scientist waving meat in the air as you try to sneakily cut cables. What the fuck are you doing with this your life?
1: This is a very weird day. Let's
0: just face that. Uh, which gives you problem? Not cut out for this. <laughs> gain one to the fa- uh, gain minus one to the falling rolls. Oh boy! Cool fighting, preparedness, and stability. Not cut out for this. The flavor text is just ugh. <laughs> so, Jack Shepard is officially man. not cut out for this. I am feeling, though, even after I said,
1: like, I would rather deal, deal with these problems a week from now, I feel like I will have gotten past this after a week, right?
0: This is only going to affect today. Yeah, no, exactly. All right, cool. And, I mean, if the case continued into tomorrow, I'd decide then how, yeah, exactly. what
1: would transfer yeah. over. Yeah. But I agree, man, this is... I, I, I'm not cut out for this. I mean, maybe tomorrow I will be after I've dealt with it, but for now, this is all fucked up.
0: All right. So My, that adds a die. That adds, so adds a die. To, so what were we sitting at as our total? Five. We were sitting at five with an advance of ten, ten and you're rolling um, another die I the plus that. one, and I can take uh, three more whiskey tokens? Correct.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I can get there from now, because yeah, I, I, I can roll a safe. one here. Yeah. Just a matter of how I get there. Okay, I have a two, bringing us to seven. Seven, and the advance is ten. Ten. Okay. Take my plus one. Okay. Give me two whiskey tokens. And two more
0: whiskey tokens. Gets us to the advance of ten. Yes. Okay, with that advance of ten, uh, Beast remains distracted. Victor continues up to the window. He goes, oh, yes, sweet Beast. Oh, you're very hungry, aren't you? As he holds up this steak. So... You watch and synchronize your movements with Victor so that as Victor opens his car door, he, dr- he opens the passenger door to get this meat inside the car. You open the driver door at the same time, kind of masking the sound and keeping Beast occupied and interested in what Victor is doing. So now both of you have your heads into the car doors on both sides. You watch as, as Victor turns a latch and you hear a little release of air and a smell hits you that's just a gross smell as he pulls open this drawer that has like a bubbling acrid bile liquid in it. And he just puts the whole steak in it. It sizzles as it touches this acidic substance. And he slides the door closed and you hear it seal and then he he locks the latch on it. Something of a stomach, I guess you could say. <laughs> I guess you could. Wow. There's the wire there, the thick red one. You see next to the yellow and the red? Can I yank it out? And you give a firm pull on that wire, and the engine dies. And you watch as Beast becomes a little more frantic inside of his yep. encasing and is barking, but you're kind of just hearing, like, the airy sounds, like a bark without a voice box. Right. Now that the speakers are disengaged. And you have... of a dog in a box, in a car, in a field. What now, Jack Shepard?
1: Victor, what do you want to do with your dog, man? I mean, do do you think it's time to let him go?
0: Victor looks you in the face, and you see the pain in his eyes. You can be with him
1: when he moves on. You can hold him.
0: He looks at the dog of Rex. I'm so sorry, Vex. I'm so sorry for everything. I should never have done this to you. And he actuates a button. And you hear another release of air, and he pulls away the front panel of glass in front of the dog's face and is able to now scratch the dog behind its ears and pet its head, and the dog seems to appreciate that comfort. While Victor's doing that with his right hand, his left hand is unthreading four screws that have thick heads on them that you can grab with your fingers. They're finger twist, and he unthreads the four of them And he kind of pulls away a small panel that he rests on the floor. And behind that, he throws a switch. And you see the look in this dog's eyes change. There's a moment of fear. Oh, my sweet Junebug. It's now time to sleep. Finally, I am so sorry. I give you the rest you so deserve. You've been a great dog, Rex, great dog. And with that, the head goes limp and the spirit has left this animal. The beast is dead. What now? What do you have to say to Victor, the scientist who created this, who caused this?
1: Victor, I'm sorry for your loss it's it's hard to say goodbye to something or someone we loved, but sometimes that's the best thing. sometimes you you have to let go and
0: uh, you did the right thing. I cannot undo my wrongs, but this is writing some part of my indiscretions, and I must pay that penance.
1: What you did here at the end, I understand, was was difficult, and you have a
0: tremendous amount of my respect. Do you know of anyone who could make this evidence of my failures disappear? Oh, I think I know a guy. <laughs> okay. FYI, you've arranged a sting at Victor's employment place this evening. Yeah, no, and um, this, is, this
1: is something that I was going to talk to Victor about anyway, which is whether or not, like, I'm going to tell him that the
0: sting is happening. Why don't you, let's do a scene. The two of you walk back to your vehicle, get in. And return to Victor's homestead to drop him off. All right. Victor, um, there's
1: something you should know. The police will be raiding the dogfights tonight. It's probably in your best interest that you're not there. If you're concerned for you and your family, I can put you up in my apartment as someplace safe uh, until the arrests are done and we know we're in the clear uh, but it's up to you. If you want to go into work and um, you know make it look like nothing is up, that's that's entirely in your hands.
0: If I'm not there once the raid goes down, they will know I was involved. I must go to work.
1: All right, I but understand.
0: I worry about being arrested as part of it. My, uh, I'm involved
1: in the sting, and they know to keep you out of it. Okay. I'm, I'm guaranteeing your freedom here, Victor. I know that you were only involved in this against your will. And what about Charles Fritzel? Charles Fritzl uh, will end up behind bars where ideally he
0: won't last that long.
1: Let's put it
0: that way. I think that as long as I go to work and am seen arrested by the police and then released, no one will suspect I had any knowledge and my family should be safe. All right. If we worked so hard to get here and to have this homestead. Don't want to leave.
1: No, I understand, Victor. Um, I'm I'm trying to do all I can do to help you truly uh, free yourself from this. Thank you. I will owe you this debt. Well, I mean, it's always nice to have a crazy German scientist friend.
2: Right?
0: Who owes you a debt? I wanted, like, you know, you have that list of contacts, Yeah, let's add a few more here. Well, no, what I'm trying to do is replace the the generic list with with people you know. Yeah, 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 I like it.
1: And now I have a crazy German scientist. Yeah,
0: right? Like, you know someone owns a bookstore. So I'm trying to create, like, fleshed out real people. No, I dig it. You're doing a good job, sir. To fill the world around you, right? Hell of a day, Jack.
1: (laughs) That's... Uh, maybe the best example I've ever heard of an understatement.
0: And he gets out because he brought back at his place. And you go where? I don't know what time is it. That's a good question.
1: I know, right? Like, basically what I'm wondering is, do I have to go directly to
0: the dog races? It's not 9 p.m. Okay. It's it's not 9 p.m., so I'm trying to work it out right now. Yeah. It's 5 or 6 p.m. now as you approach back into town. It's no longer the heat of the day. It's not yet time to go meet Axel Nicoli. So you have a little bit of time to fill. Yep. Use it wisely. Fuck does that mean? This is bonus time. You know what I mean? Bonus in episode time can be used for a lot of different things. Well, now I'm worried because I thought everything was going to get all wrapped up in a neat
1: little bowl. Oh, it is. Okay. Your
0: case is dealt with. All right. But you have an opportunity to do something personal,
1: in-scene, t- towards anything else. Oh, okay, you well, I mean? so, so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the diner. We're going to get two cheeseburgers to go.
0: No sweat. Bernice helps you grab those cheeseburgers. She's actually done her shift, but she likes you and just kind of helped handle your order. Thanks, Bernice. Oh, whatever. Should you have yourself a wonderful day. Give me a few scratches for goat now.
1: Uh, you know I will.
0: All right. Uh, when I get back to
1: my place, I am gonna throw that uh, one cheeseburger into Goat's bowl. I'm gonna start nibbling on that second cheeseburger. I'm gonna call Mickey Cohen,
0: please. All right. You get his bartender over, John E. He passes you through to Mickey's office. Yeah. You hear a door close in the background first, and then the phone pick up and, and get to his face. Jake. This better be
1: good. Well, I I hope it is. I got a black Model T Ford that needs to disappear in the most severe way possible.
2: Hey, Jack (laughs) Shepard. Yeah. Okay, give me the details.
1: All right, I'll tell him where it's at. I'm going to ask him kindly. uh, Don't ask me any questions about this one, Mickey.
2: No sweat. That evidence will be a cube of steel before morning.
0: appreciate it. All right. And you give him all the details.
2: Hey, good job on this, Jake Shepard.
1: I do my best, Mickey. I appreciate your trust. Thank you.
2: No sweat. I said I'll run around tomorrow with your payment.
1: I like the sound of that.
2: I forgot he hired
1: me to take care of that.
2: (laughs) That's where this all stems from, bro.
1: I got money coming in. Uh, I'm sticking with what I said, though. 99%. I mean, in this world, who fucking knows if a car with a fucking dog in it comes back or not. I mean... You never know. The world is getting weirder with each passing day. I understand. I understand.
2: Will I get you on the line? What's the latest with Fritz?
1: Uh, I got a raid going down tonight. I'm going to be there to ID Fritz and make sure he gets taken out.
2: Right on. What time that going down? 9.30. All right. Sounds good. Perhaps I'll try to take in the view.
1: Pleasure doing business with you, as always, Mr. Cohen.
2: Likewise, Jack. See, I like you, man. Not too clean.
1: I prefer just clean enough. I'm gonna give Goat a couple scritches for Bernice, uh, and I'm gonna bring a beer up to the roof and do some work on the garden up there, the the grass.
0: You're able to thread a hose onto the faucet of your sink. Okay. Throw the hose out the window uh, on enough rope and and whip the end of that rope up to the roof so you can pull the hose up to the roof and water your roof lawn. All
1: right. Uh, When I'm done with that, I'll come back down. I will see how Goat
0: liked the cheeseburger. You have yet to not put something in Goat's dish and have it vanish very quickly. All right. He's wagging his tail.
1: It's probably a good time uh, to bring him down into the, well... Is there, like, have we figured out a way to, like, have goat bathroom from uh, the fire escape? Can they just, like, shit off the end of it under the ground, into the alley? Or do I have to bring them all downstairs? I'll bring them downstairs if I need to, but I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, you got to bring them downstairs. You, you haven't come up. The roof's not ready yet. Yeah, all right. You tend to do it once in the morning, once at night. Yeah. On your way down to the back alley, you grab this corn broom and dustpan that you'd purchased a few days prior. And there's a narrow crack in between two buildings in the alley. And you stuff the corn broom and dustpan in this little crack in the alley. Okay. You've noticed that the goat shit is starting to pile up. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, And there's a couple of dumpsters in the alley. So now what you do is after he's done his business. Shoop, shoop, shoop. Yeah. And you don't even do the fresh ones. Like you're kind of sweeping up like yesterday's the day after because it's all dry. Wait until they dry up. Yeah. yeah. And easy to move around. So you've kind of made, like, sweeping it up as part of your deal. Because, I mean, you are just renting. You don't want to, you know, yeah, no, get I'm the not landlord to be, off. you know, Yeah, I'm a,
1: I'm a respectable... Semi-respectable. Yeah, guy. exactly.
0: That's
1: right. Uh, what time are we at if this is all said and done? Do I have time to, like, hit a bar for a couple of shots before the uh, the police roll in? Need to steady myself for the evening?
0: That is a very good choice, Jack Shepherd, being the criteria we're operating our day under. I know, right? So... You head towards the meatpacking district. You, of course, know where all the dives are. You find one uh, about 10 minutes away from where you're going to meet up with an Axel Nicoli. And you while away the last hour and a half to wait for Axel. And then pull up uh, to a small scene happening a block away from the meatpacking warehouse where the dogfights are happening. Uh, you pull up down the block. You recognize Axel Nicoli's vehicle. Yep. And one other car nearby. And he's leaned up against this vehicle, chatting to several men kind of crowded around him near the street edge, making a total crew of eight.
1: Okay. Well, I'll approach and say, um, Axel, where are things at? How are we doing? Do you need anything from me?
0: As you approach, he's going over the plan. It's a piece of paper
2: splayed out over the hood of the car, and he's pointing at it. So there seems to be another entrance around this backside. John. Jen, I want you around back around there. Tommy, you and I, we're going into the front. Billy, second floor, back side. There's a window access. Hey, Jack, Jack. Everybody, this is Jack Shepard, private detective. He's helping us out on this one. And uh, they all give you stone-cold looks and nods. Well, nod back. We're just about ready to go, Jack. How was your day? Any headway on that car?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a problem anymore. Don't think or no. Pretty damn
2: sure. 100% damn sure.
1: The world I live in these days, Axel, nothing's ever 100%. Axel
0: points to a spot on this kind of hand-drawn map. This is Jack, this is where you'll stay with me, overlooking the scene. All right. Anything else you want to interject before we come around the corner and this raid goes down? Yeah, um, I will tell them
1: because I, I feel like like I have a fairly good idea of where like the laboratory is where um where Victor is. And I'll I'll point out on the map, sort of like this is this is where you'll find Victor. Victor's the one we're keeping safe. He's not being arrested. You'll find him here. Um, And again, like I will add any kind of detail to the map that I can that they may not already have. Right. Okay.
0: Like the security guard at the front door? Absolutely yeah. Okay. So you come around the block, you get situated you watch as these stone-cold professionals move silently towards their exterior locations on this building. they will be walkie-talkies, maybe, but there's no in-ear headsets. This is all done through hand signals. The parking lot's busy. You can see the smoke lit in the lighting, wafting up through the interior of this warehouse, the dust being kicked up by the dog fights going on inside, and a hand signal's given between Axel and the officers at the front door. And they bust through the front doors. And you can just feel the vibe change. (laughs) Screaming begins. Uh, Men start pouring out the front door. Uh, Shots are fired. A couple of vehicles. People get in their cars and rip out of the parking lot. And very quickly, it gets silent again. And one of the officers appears in that front doorway and gives a few different hand signals back to Axel. And Axel goes, it's done. Let's go see what happened. And you head over and head inside and see a bit of a bloodbath and a mess. Oh, boy. Dead gangsters everywhere. Yeah. One of the stone cold police officers addresses Axel at the door. We got most of them. We're one injured, one down. They got Tim. And you look over towards the wall. And yep, there's one dead police officer near the wall. And you watch as another officer's administering first aid to a guy who got a, a flesh wound in his arm. We arrested some science guy in the back, too. That must be the Victor guy you are talking about, Jack. Yeah, I think so. Bring him out. Let's give him an ID. Jack, do you see that Charles Fritzl guy anywhere? Well, it's sort of up to you to tell me if I do. And you tiptoe through this gruesome scene of dead bodies and blood and a dirt-filled fight ring. And you need to give me a stability challenge with an advance of seven. Now, before you roll, we need to talk about all of the pluses and minuses that are happening around. Oh motherfuck, yeah. There's a minus one so, here to stability, a minus one here to stability. You got her. So let's let's go through it. So you're not cut out for this. I'm not. Minus one to your stability. You have a horrible migraine, oh, oh. minus two to your stability, creating a total of minus three. Meanwhile, you're confident, confident. So I have a plus one to my confident stability. Confident gives you a plus one to your stability, so you're at a total of minus two to your roll with an advance of seven. Okay. Minus two with an advance of seven. Let's
1: do this. First die is going to buy six. Oh, well, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Well, I mean. I can't even, but I can't, I can't say anything about my rolls now because I'll, I'll fucking break them if I do. Three, that's a nine. Giving
0: you the advance of seven. Yeah. Whose rolls suck now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. With that advance, you start to believe that maybe you are cut out for this. You know, you did successfully take down that car. It happened. Yeah, and now we have successfully taken down a dogfighting ring. Maybe I am cut out for this. So that problem is no solved. Exactly. So you get rid of the problem. Not cut out for this. And as you search the floor and the bodies, sure enough, you come across a broad-shouldered, short, black-haired, pencil mustached man that that you assume is Charles Fritzel. Now is he dead? And he is dead. Wow. Uh, his left eye is missing and it's just a bloody socket from where he was shot in the eye. I feel like Mickey Cohen's going to like the sound of that. (laughs) I bet. Uh, At that point, Victor is brought from the back by one of the police officers and also notices the body of Charles Fritzl lying there on the floor. Oh, Jack Shepard, I could just kiss you. I believe I have better days to come. Thank you so much. I hope you do,
2: sir. So this is the scientist you were talking about, Jack?
0: That's Victor. Yeah,
1: if we can, uh, if we can keep him out of jail, I mean, process him, uh, maybe set a bail that someone can anonymously pay for, and then we'll just let him out and forgive him, forget about him. What do you say?
2: Perfect. Yeah, Victor, we're going to process you, but just so the paperwork looks clean. Exactly. You'll be home to your
0: family before morning. Victor clasps your hands in his. Thank you so much, Jack Shepard. I my my life was in such a state of despair and out of my control and I was so desperate and lost and you really helped me.
1: I'm glad I could Victor. I uh no one should be no one should be put into the situation that you were put into.
0: I owe you a great debt, Jack Shepard. If ever you are in need of any scientific insight or Technological help in any way
1: I am in your debt And here to assist you I'm glad to know that, Victor Because I feel pretty confident That given my life These last few months That's something that's
0: probably Going to happen eventually Thank you, thank you again And with that The officer escorts him outside All right, You head back
1: outside? I guess, I mean I think I'm done with the raid, right? I want to take a big breath Let it out and just hopefully feel a whole bunch of weight off of my shoulders as we come to, I think, mostly the end to this case. Just like, I feel like the last three days have it, knotted myself up more and more and more, and I just want to go
0: ah, and let it all out. You do this in the cool, sweet air of an October evening in Los Angeles. And as you do, you notice a face lit in the ash of his own cigarette, leaned against a car not too far away, and it's Mickey Cohen. Is, is he close enough that I can just
1: go and uh, share a few words, like as if I'm just crossing paths with him and walking away?
0: Yeah, you can cross the parking lot and just find him. Okay. He's, you know, a quarter of a block away.
1: All right. I want to just go and have a few words.
0: I just want to mention really quick, the reason only one guy died in that raid is because of all the information you gave on that. Oh, sweet. They would have had a higher body count otherwise. Nice. Thank you. Nice work, Jack. Where's Fritz? Uh,
1: Funny thing, uh, he's not going to be a problem anymore. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Regale
2: me with the tale of the fate of this fucking Fritz character.
1: Well, I wasn't there to see it, but uh, he may have lost an eye alongside whatever was behind that eye inside of the old skull dome
2: there. Nothing but stupidity and hate, I'm pretty sure.
1: I know. Uh, World's not uh, any poorer for his absence.
2: Well, if ain't
1: that a stroke of good luck. Thanks again for your help, Mickey. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, you're the one helping me here. I get rid of this fucking Fritz guy. The boys, they found that car you were talking about. So that's dealt with. Here's a little thank you with a little extra. And he hands you a rather
0: thick
1: envelope. All right.
2: Take care of yourself, Mickey.
1: And I am on my way.
2: Till next time, Jack. Jack.
1: Back to my car, and home. Home with a detour at uh, at spirits.
2: Okay,
0: you get back to your apartment. And then push through the front door of the neighboring liquor store spirits that just happened to open next to your apartment mere weeks after all this craziness.
1: Right. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't remember the name that was revealed to me in my dream. Can you remind me what that name was? Nodens. Nodens. Thank
0: you. Yeah.
1: I really like the way you did that, too, with, like, cutting back to... You know, the original episode where it was referenced. That was really dope. Well done. All right. um,
0: Jens, sir. Hey, man. Jack Shepard. How you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, uh... Were your dreams as weird as mine last night?
1: They might have been. I wanted to ask you... If the word Nodens means anything to you.
0: You feel a temperature shift in the room as your flesh goes goose flesh. Your arm prickles. You feel like it's about to strike lightning next to you. And you look back at at Jens behind the counter, and a breeze from nowhere is just lightly blowing his hair back. (laughs) Yeah, that name's familiar, man. What's
1: going on? I don't know. It was something that came up in my dream last night, and you were there, and Ned was there. and I don't know what it all
0: means. Ned, man. Sometimes I think he's
2: got to better understand what's going on than I do, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel that same way about goat, my friend. Are you allowed to share a drink with a customer, Jens? It's never come up. I don't see any reason I can't. If I were to buy a bottle of something that I wanted to just have a drink with you, what would you like?
0: Absinthe, man.
1: Why does that not surprise me in the least? Well, let's ring up a bottle of your favorite absinthe and let's you and I have a drink.
0: All right. All right. All right. He goes and grabs a bottle of absinthe, walks to the front door, flips the open sign to closed, deadbolts the front door, flicks off the lights in the in the front of the store, come with me, Jack, and leads you to the back, out the back door, and, and just flops down on the stone stoop at his back door, unscrews the bottle, takes a good pull from it, and passes it in your direction.
1: I'll uh, I'll raise it to him and do the same. Take a big old pull of the old absinthe.
0: Never used to be this hard, Jack, you know, to
1: to keep it all straight. Do you think... Do you think that that it gets harder for us to keep it straight? Or is that the universe just gets more fucked up around us?
2: I can definitely feel that things are getting, as you
0: put it, more fucked up lately. I think that's why Ned reached out to you. Oh. You know how... They say coma patients can maybe hear you in their coma. Well, that was kind of like me in that dream last night, Jack. It was like I was there, but I had no input. Yeah. Ned and I are one. I was a hunter, and I came up against an entity so fierce, so powerful that I had to run, man. I had to uh, escape its glance. I needed to hide, man. Hide from this entity that had more power than I could possibly fight on my own. This being, man, can see into our world and sense us and find us. To be able to hide from it, I had to no longer exist without dying. So, I split my consciousness into two forms And as he says that Ned Just approaches and hops up Onto his lap Of course he and does And he starts just absentmindedly petting Ned So instead of nodens, man It came Ned and Yen's, you know Yeah And then I met you, Jack I don't know what drove me to Open a liquor store here I just felt like It was what I was supposed to do Yeah, well and then, sure enough, my number one customer, <laughs> I think, has also interacted with this entity. Seems likely. What is that thing around your neck, Jack?
1: Oh, I'll, I'll pull it out under my shirt. And at this point, not at all surprised that he sensed it.
0: You feel a, a heat to it in yeah. your hand. You've noticed in the last two days it seems to increasingly radiate its own heat and the redness around your neck is greater. Okay. As though its personal weight is greater. Perhaps it's having to work harder to do whatever it is that it's doing.
1: Okay. I, I don't entirely know what this is. Uh, I went to a, uh, a, a magical shop looking for some kind of protection because I tell you man the things I've seen lately they're not natural in the same way that we think of natural things and I I felt like I needed some kind of protection that was outside of the natural
0: man that thing's some top notch juju man whoever created it for a human they knew their craft well I'm very glad to hear that I think we have a common enemy Jack Seems likely. I want to help you in your fight, Jack. Alone, I just didn't have the power necessary to to deal with this being. You seem to have gotten this far, though, losing your mind. and That takes a fortitude not everyone possesses. I think I was supposed to find you, Jack. And while I, I guess, at some point, knew how to split myself in two... Whatever knowledge enabled me to do that It's gone, man And I have no idea How to become whole again Well, Jens
1: uh, I'll raise the absence yeah. bottle And say Here's To us figuring it out
0: together Cheers to that, man And Ned goes Meow In a, a seeming <laughs> approval All right
1: Um Take my bottle and head home.
0: You sit there for a while with Jens. Okay. You pass the bottle back and forth a bit? Yeah, bullshitting about life. Um, He's a musician as well. He enjoys jazz and the blues. Plays a bit of guitar. Had a band for a while. Yeah. Explains how his previous self named him Jens and his cat Ned. And then you return to your apartment.
1: All right. Uh, throw a loose splash of uh, absinthe, if there's any left, into goat's
0: bowl, along with some lettuce. You tip the absinthe bottle over goat's bowl and uh, a couple of ounces pour out in the rest of the- It's an empty bottle All right. And Throwing... you understand
1: why as you feel the room spinning. Yeah. Uh, throw in a handful of lettuce in the bowl as well and stumble into bed.
0: And you must roll on the table of unforeseen consequences, keeping the roll a secret. And how many whiskey tokens are we adding to that roll? Four whiskey tokens. Four whiskey tokens.
1: Given that, is the maximum of 12? No. Okay, so that's interesting.
0: The table of unforeseen consequences goes up to 14. Okay. And the result at 14 is modified by the roll. All right. So you're rolling 2d6. Yep. On the table of unforeseen consequences. Yeah. Plus four. Plus four. And I don't tell you. And you're going to write that down. I am. So write the number and then say plus four so we can remember for next time. Not just the summed total. Okay. Because there's going to be time in between these sessions. We're going to do a wrap up in between them. All right. So I can remember what the hell we're doing. It, oh, shit. So tune in two episodes from now to the first episode of Jack Shepard's next case to find out how this result will affect his next case Hell yeah and you fall into a room spinning overtly drunk
1: I got I got one foot on the ground as I lay down just to keep myself from vomiting, vomiting that's to say yeah,
0: yeah it's one of those nights and sleep quickly overtakes you And you are back in that black space in your mind. And you hear a sound that is both unsettling and familiar. The writhing of tentacles behind you. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess I'll turn around. And you see the tentacle wall. The tentacle wall that had disappeared since you put that charm around your neck. Yeah. And yet there it is. Do I have the charm around my neck in the dream? You reach out to your chest and uh, to clutch the charm that should be there and pull your hand away in alarm as it as it scalds your hand to, to touch the stone. It is charm so is. hot. Okay. Um, you look at your chest itself, and your chest isn't burning. Okay. And you look at your hand, and your hand doesn't show the imprint of a burn, and yet there was a feeling of searing heat when you tried to grasp it okay. just now.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, What I will do then, though, if I'm still wearing it, if it's under my shirt, I will unbutton my shirt to reveal it. Okay. Uh, And then I want to approach the tentacles and see how they react.
0: As you approach, the tentacles begin to recede away from the edge without you touching the tentacles, revealing the scene hidden behind. And it appears to be nighttime, And on the other side of this rift is half a kilometer away from a small village lit in torchlight. What do you do? So I'm a half kilometer away? If you were to step through the portal, you would be standing on grassy plains on a hill overlooking a village about half a kilometer away. Half a mile away.
1: Well, let's step through then.
0: You step through and are hit by the thick, hot air of an autumn evening and the song of crickets. Okay. You hear tribal drums, their bass, echoing off the walls and mountains around you, seemingly coming from that village. Uh, The village torchlight does seem to be centralized around some sort of middle area, like a town square in this village. I'll start moving towards the village, I guess. You move through this crunching sagebrush, feeling that the scene and the landscape look very similar to that northern San Bernardino Valley you were in earlier today. Like where the car was? Yeah. Okay. The landscape is similar. Okay. And actually, being that you were there just today... You recognize some of the mountain peaks. You recognize some stone landmarks and can say that yes, you are back in the northern end of San Bernardino Valley, but this village you don't recognize.
1: I would like to try to like make a mental note of where within the geography of the San Bernardino Valley this village would be if it existed.
0: Okay, you give that some thought. Okay. You head down the hills towards the village drenched in shadow, and and arrive at the first outbuilding of this small village as these travel drums appear to be louder and you're starting to hear the screams of a woman carrying on top of these drums. You're now close enough that this torchlight is dancing on the walls in between these buildings. And you make your way silently through the narrow corridors in between these mud huts with straw roofs and position yourself at a point where you can get some sense of the scene happening in this square as these tribal drums are getting louder and you can start to hear more of the screams. And there are seemingly some uh, chanting, some male chanting going on underneath it as well. And poke around the edge to see a small crowd gathered with a rise of dirt in the center of the square, seemingly man-made with a bit of a platform on top and that is where you see the most well-lit person. Kneeling is a naked woman. Her left and right arm are in manacles. Uh, the manacle chains are near the ground, so she can't be standing. She's on her knees, naked, screaming as this man behind her is Speaking words in a language you've never heard, it definitely sounds like he's chanting some sort of incantation. There's a small group of hooded people in the center, all holding torches, as he continues what he's doing. The bray of a goat starts getting intermingled with the screams of this woman, and you watch as a goat is presented onto this upper pavilion where this man is standing. You see the quick glint of a blade about a foot long with a real curve to it. He pulls it across the neck of the goat and the goat doesn't even give out a sound. It was such a clean cut and all of a sudden, the goat goes limp and there's blood everywhere. This gentleman continues the knife around the neck of this goat and with a twist, breaks off the entire head of this goat. Continuing to speak incantations, holds this goat head by its short horns over top of this naked woman chained to the ground screaming and blood pours over this woman kneeling on the ground. The man standing on the hill holding this goat head speaks more loudly a phrase and the phrase is repeated in concert by the hooded clan in front of him. That's when you notice the stone in front of this woman. Sticking out of the ground in front of this woman is a stone that matches the stone that you saw beneath Roy's garage. It looks like the odd Mad made stone that got blown into pieces. Those pieces were in the cave that Ella Hurst and Thomas Thengen were in. Yeah. Uh, this stone that you destroyed initially with dynamite and then blew up another piece of it that has engravings on the side that's facing the crowd that you can see. The man speaks a few more words and two people come up, one from each side and undo the manacles on the ground where this woman is kneeling and her screaming increases as they each grab one of her hands and carry her towards this stone in front of her. They then each, while holding one of her arms, grab the back of her head and force her head over the stone. The man in charge of this ceremony says something commanding, and the group breaks into a quick unsettling moaning cheer. And stepping out of the shadows behind this man is a nearly seven foot tall hooded figure carrying a massive cudgel, a huge hammer. He walks up behind this woman whose head is pressed to the stone surface, whose arms are held tight. A few more words of cantation are spoken in some sort of loud, affirming phrase in a language you've never heard. And with that, this tall man seemingly receives the direction he was looking for, holds the hammer high above his head, and then in one swift motion chalks his arms down towards the direction of this woman and the cudgel hammer face meets with the back of her head on the top flat top of the stone and and immediately
1: bone shatters brain burst free blood runs down the side of the stone the woman is dead
0: and the crowd begins like a Gregorian-style chant of like throat singing, really low chant, and the man in charge of this ceremony steps forward holding the goat head high in the air above the mutilated, faceless corpse of this woman as her insides run down the sides of this stone that you recognize from the cave below Roy's garage and the dream ends. That's intense. You reach out and once again put your hand around the amulet around your neck and just hold it despite the searing pain radiating into your hand. And Jack sleeps the night away with that stone cutting into his hand as he firmly grips it.
1: Whenever this stone comes up again, I, I just think about like that scene in The Godfather Three where it's like, "Just when I thought I was out,
0: they pull me back in." <laughs> <laughs> And that's the finale of our third story. Holy shit. Jack Shepard, a.k.a. Todd Sullivan. My my good friend sitting across from me. This has been an epic session, sir. What a fucking roller coaster we've been on today. It's like a two to three hours. It's got to be a three-hour session here. So much fun. First and foremost, thanks for listening. Thank you to my friend Todd Sullivan for wanting to play this game with me, for bringing it to my attention. And thanks to my friend Dave Colmine for uh, continuing
1: to weave what it uh, continues to be a, a, a fascinating a baffling mysterious story i'm i'm loving every minute of it
0: me too i knew when i got to start writing my own shit it would
1: improve this oh man it's been so elevated since you started and and i think they only get better like this this so far i think has been my favorite arc good I'm as weird as it is to have you know, a black bottle D4 that is also part dog.
0: I'm glad know. that that landed because yeah. it allows me, it gives me like, uh, I don't know what to call it, artistic privilege to continue uh, down weird yeah. routes. I'm, I'm looking forward to see
1: how you edit the the end of it together. Sort of that moment where we, um, when Rex was sort of like the, the front of his thing was opened up and uh, and Victor sort of led him off to the next world. That was that was sad. It was emotional. It was, it was uh, like I felt it aw yeah good I hope so yeah and I'm sure that like once the Foley gets in there it'll be even better
0: can't hurt right all the links are in the episode description guys if you want to support our Patreon or buy some merch I have a t-shirt Coalmines Clubhouse t-shirt on its way to my house right now oh exciting I almost I was so close to wearing my uh, Half
1: Cut Conspiracy shirt over tonight
0: ooh that's right so Todd Sullivan has two other podcasts
1: what are they Uh, When banned things happen to good people, that's B-A-N-N-E-D things, uh, it's all about censorship and movies and music. And uh, speaking of music, we just did an episode on Two Live Crew that you, sir, Dave Coleman, were a guest host on.
0: As Nasty as They Want to Be is an album by Two Live Crew that is as nasty as yeah. they titled it. And I was the guest on that episode. Which we just had about it. music yep. and it was all sorts of fun. Your other podcast?
1: Uh, uh, Half Cut Conspiracies, um, which comes out every two weeks. It's me and Carlos Sia. We have a few drinks, sometimes, usually, a few too many. And we talk about conspiracy theories and usually have a a good laugh at them.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I just want to say uh, your first podcast, When bad Things Happen to Good People, your co-host is Oren Barter. That's right. Fantastic guy. Half-Cut Conspiracies is Carlos Sia. You can find both of those
1: podcasts at blah, 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 media.com. That's B-L-A-H-B-L-A-H-B-L-A-H-Media.com.
0: Perfect. I just really want to acknowledge your co-hosts because uh, they've, they've shown me some love on your podcast. I yeah, so, and they're, they're, good yeah. they're good people. They're good people. They're good want to throw some I love back their way. Exactly, yeah. Awesome stuff, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening and uh, continuing to support. Next up will be the wrap-up episode. An abridged version will be available for everyone and the full episode available to Patreon subscribers only if you want to hear the full skinny on everything that went down in this case. Thanks again. Have an awesome week. Have an awesome life. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it.
2: And bye.